And now, it's time for the Mike and Matt Football Show Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 12 of the Mike and Matt Football Show, live on the ColorCast app, alongside my co-caster, Matt Petrie. My name is Mike Bachman. Post-Thanksgiving episode, our bellies are full, and so is our appetite for NFL football. Week 12 in the books, yet another exciting one with a lot of interesting storylines further developing this week. And Matt, always great to be joined aside you virtually, of course. But Matt, how was your Thanksgiving, man? It was great. Pretty stereotypical. All the boxes were checked. Felt like I was in an episode of Friends. Fantastic. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a nice time. Glad to be able to spend time with the family. Uh, so that was definitely nice. And a lot of NFL to talk here on this Tuesday evening. So let's get started. We're going to jump around, take you around the NFL for a little while, and then we'll jump into our big story of the day, uh, which just continues to surround the unpredictability and uncertainty of this NFL season and who's going to come out on top in multiple regards. So, Petrie, I know that you're high on the Patriots right now. Your team, they are looking like the most complete AFC team in the conference right now and could potentially even make the argument that they are the most balanced, complete team in the NFL right now. Uh, the Patriots taking down the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Mac Jones, that defense speaks for itself and what they've been able to do. So, Matt, I'll let you take this one, man. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the Patriots shellacking of the Titans this weekend? Well, there was a lot I took away. And first and foremost, I do have to say, if you're a Titans fan out there listening, I'm sorry. You're, you, don't, you didn't deserve what happened this year. This uh, they're already going to break the record for most players used in an NFL season. And we're just a little over halfway through. It's ridiculous. The injury bug you have caught, but what did I gather from the Patriots? Bill Belichick is still the defensive wizard. That was never really forgotten, but to see how quickly he's jailed a unit of a lot of fresh faces, guys like Matthew Judon looking like they're going to be pro bowlers Guys like J.C. Jackson looking like they're going to be entering top five corner conversation this year. Just it feels like, I mean, fans like myself were worried when Stefan Gilmore left. Got to stop questioning what Coach Belichick sees because he clearly knew J.C. Jackson could step in. Guys could fill in behind him. Even a Jalen Mills, as annoying and frustrating as he can be because it feels like he's good at what he does, but we ask him to do more than that. But he's even adapting and growing more. and. This offense, I don't – I see a lot of people tweeting like, oh, if Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or whoever were in Belichick's system with this, you know, setup, they'd be flashing too. But I, I really don't think you can underestimate the poise that Mac Jones has shown as a rookie. Just – he looks like a veteran. He's so willing to make the smart decision over the flashy decision – he had one bad rookie pick, and besides that, over the last couple of weeks, obviously not this last game, but over the last couple of weeks, he had one bad rookie throw. But besides that, it, it feels like he's been in the league for years. And 
maybe I'm just filled with false hope, but Patriots, the Super Bowl, baby, they're the team to beat in the AFC. They absolutely are. There is no more complete team. The NFC is the conference to beat. AFC is looking like the old East in the NBA where it's one team and that's it. But my goodness, I mean, the bills are one dimensional. The chiefs are one dimensional. Baltimore can't get out of its own way. They got lucky that Cleveland's even worse. I, I don't see another team that can feel as confident right now as the Patriots. And boy, if you can't already tell, I'm smiling saying that. Yeah. Well, congratulations because after one year of mediocrity, they're back. And that's all it takes is, is Bill Belichick. He can't be undervalued. And what he's been able to do for this offense and for this defense. And to your point about those other rooks that you mentioned, T-Law and some others, if in this system, I mean, Mac Jones was drafted as a project. You know, it wasn't supposed to happen this quickly. And to your point, he looks like a true professional back there. Now, granted, he is in a complete system, one that is super favorable for quarterbacks. The offensive line, he is sat back behind a brick wall. They are protecting him at all costs. And, you know, he's given the time and he is sitting back comfortably there in the pocket. You know, this defense has recreated. You mentioned J.C. Jackson and Matthew Judon, who is finally getting the recognitions, really has flown under the radar and was a big free agent acquisition for New England in this offseason. So you take a look at the position that they're in on this win streak, the confidence that Mac Jones is is playing with right now and hit the whole knock on his success has been because of the system he's in right head coach offensive line he's got the defense to back him up but he has been elevating the play of some of these players on this offense guys like Kendrick Bourne who has really become a showstopper there on the outside at the wide receiver position some of the plays he's been able to make and Mac Jones has been conservative and they've been conservative in uh, you know, what he's been able to do at quarterback and throwing the ball. You don't see him taking these deep shots, but now they're starting to let him unleash a little bit and unload down the field. So how far can this Patriots team go? You say the Super Bowl, you know, I, I, I don't think that's a too far off assessment. When you take a look at these other AFC teams, a great analogy comparing that to the NBA uh, Eastern Conference, right? You take a look down the line and so many of these teams have, ex have been exposed and they look vulnerable, but the New England Patriots, this is a team that has trust in their quarterback and in virtually every part of, of their football team. And right now, just a half a game ahead of the Bills, the Bills were able to uh, try and get one back. But, man, the Patriots this weekend going up against the Bills for the first time this year, that's going to be a big indicator as to where these two teams sort of fit uh, you know, going down the line and who is going to represent the AFC East in the uh, in the in the postseason, so really, really interesting stuff, and you know, it just speaks volumes to Bill Belichick. And as for the Titans, as you mentioned a little bit, I mean, I I think they're I on I really think they're done. Uh, this team, even without Derrick Henry, I mean, you know, their running game is trying to find its identity. But we even talked a few days ago, and I was like, yeah, this Titans team, they can't do much with Ryan Tannehill and, you know, their running game is, is basically out of there, but they rushed for 270 yards against the Patriots and were still only able to uh, manage 13 points. You know, Ryan Tannehill couldn't even throw for over a hundred yards. So when you take out you, your core glue centerpiece of this team and Derrick Henry, they're missing Julio Jones. They're still without AJ Brown. You look at this team and it's just like, what do they have? 
Where do they go? We talked about it last week. They should be thankful for their the remaining schedule because it is a little bit of a breeze. So that's going to definitely help them. But you take a look in their division at teams like the Colts, who were so, so close from taking down the Buccaneers in a thriller this past weekend. They are churning in the right direction. The Titans are falling off. I just don't trust Ryan Tannehill. I sound like a broken record on this show ever since Derrick Henry got hurt. But, you know, you can't find much in this team, in my opinion, that really is going to set them apart from a team like the Patriots or some of these other AFC contenders. So I will congratulate you because uh, it really just did not take long at all for the Patriots to number be one defense and, in the league, baby. Seriously, it, it really league. is amazing what they got cooking up there uh, for their recipe for success. But it is it just goes to show how incredible Bill Belichick is and the potential of this team going forward, because this is just year one. It's year one. Who knows where they could go? in the distant, in the very near future. I completely agree. And one last quick point. I mean, to your point, we gave up, or sorry, I should stop saying we, that's poor journalism. They gave up 200 yards rushing, but that's classic Bill Belichick defenses. Ben, don't break. They're going to give up yards, but what sticks out to me is that they're the top scoring defense in the league again, because that's just what a Bill Belichick team is. They will let you get in the red zone and then hit you with some red zone looks that will either force turnovers or keep you to a field goal at such consistency. It's I, I do. I, I definitely think it gets taken for granted. And like you said, that should absolutely cannot speak enough to what that coach is able to do. Yeah. Let's now work backwards for, for, for a second, back to Thanksgiving evening, the, the the meat of the sandwich for those Thanksgiving matchups. Let's talk about the Raiders getting the best of the Cowboys uh, in their Thanksgiving overtime thriller. Now, this game, before, before we talk about the penalties, because unfortunately it was another game that was yet dictated by a number of penalties, uh, too much to count, to be honest. But Derek Carr really needs the credit because amid this tumultuous season, what they've been dealt with off the field. And it seemed like all hope was lost for the Raiders, losing their head coach and a couple of their former first-round picks. Derek Carr has been that guy. And his very, very, very good quarterback play, you know, is going to take this team as far as, far as they go. He had his sixth game throwing for over 300 yards this year, you know, and he is a guy who is not afraid to sling it. And he slings it basically at every chance they get. We saw Deshaun Jackson make a couple of big-time plays in vintage Deshaun Jackson form. And, you know, you got to respect that type of courage from your quarterback, especially in the position that they're in, now sitting at 6-5 and and taking down the Cowboys. Uh, And as for the Cowboys, they just really cannot overcome that slow start to the game. They were able to, you know, find their footing and take the training wheels off eventually. But, you know, dealing with injuries – they were able to be there at the end, but as mentioned in the beginning of this, you know, unfortunately, the refs took over and and dictated this 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 game at the end. Twenty eight penalties, Petrie. Twenty eight for a total of two hundred and seventy six yards, I believe, is the final tally. Uh, it was the one of the highest penalized game in recent memory, uh, and fourteen even split for both teams. So down the line couple of very very uh questionable calls especially that final pass interference that set up uh the game-winning field goal for vegas wasn't without 
about three tries. That one took about 15 minutes longer than it should have just with the way things were panning out there. But the Cowboys now being penalized 91 times this season. The Raiders, I believe 89, they're the second highest penalized team. It seems every week we continue to bring in these referees. I don't know what the solution is. I hear people talking about full-time refs. I don't know if they need an extensive training program, if the NFL needs to sit down and, and, and look at the rule book and try and make that more, more of a priority. But I don't know if there's any solution to this. And it's just going to be a, a factor of you know, human-based judgment. And this game in prime time on Thanksgiving night you know, really did not need this. Poor Anthony Brown. Man, poor Anthony Brown is going to be a remembered name in Dallas. And for those who watched that game, there were the referees really did leave their mark on it like they have all season. And it's really disgusting how prevalent it's been this year. I mean, every year we complain about refs, but it's never where you can pick half the games and show how the refs directly changed the impact. Whether it's the call of the Darren Waller that was a fumble, but Mark McCarthy wasn't even allowed to challenge it because the refs had already reviewed it and somehow got it wrong on their review. Whether it was the fact that that final pass interference on Anthony Brown was not pass interference. He just didn't turn his head around, but he didn't, he, he didn't interfere with his ability to make the catch. I'm sorry. You don't call that an overtime. That's Bush league. It was like you said, 28 penalties. It, it boggles you. It, it makes you question why you devote so much of your time to a game that in the biggest moments, the league seems comfortable allowing the zebras to come in and ruin rather than the blood, sweat, and tears of their actual athletes. Yeah, because it's not, these are big moments for teams that are in two different positions. The Cowboys have been slipping. The Raiders are still fighting for a potential wildcard spot in the AFC West. I mean, that, I guess that division is still kind of open, even though no other team has really been able to capitalize on the slump that the Chiefs are in it. It looks like they're finding their form once again. So uh, that window has been closed. But nonetheless, it's just having these conversations. You know, we need to have a conversation. Hockey League's got to talk to his son because one of the most recognized referees back in the day who retired, his son now taken over. The Hockey League crew has not been great this year, and they've been calling a ton of penalties they've got a dump truck full of them so what <laughs> has to change what's going to change probably nothing you know we talk about the taunting penalties we talk about what the priority is what is the precedent going to be there needs to be a change because it's just getting worse and worse we got to look bigger picture here and see what exactly that's going to look like but just for now it's unfortunate that it just always happens in these big time moments big time games this thanksgiving game was one of the highest viewed games in recent history uh so for two big league markets in dallas and vegas you know two blue blood franchises what a game what a win for the raiders and you look at the cowboys now they're dealing with COVID issues mccarthy's out a couple other personnel players potentially they're still <laughs> dealing with injuries where do they go they are slipping and who knows that afd or not afc the nfc the NFC East is looking like the NFC least once again. I don't know, man. Do you trust the Cowboys now? One th no, I do not trust the Cowboys. I think what can go wrong will go wrong, and they they are showing that this season. But two, 
I just remember the most egregious call of that entire football game. I don't know how it slipped my mind, but that Micah Parsons roughing the passer call. Oh, yeah. Like, Derek Carr fell into him. (laughs) Micah Parsons said it it best. You're playing football, not tag. Like, and Derek Carr smiled after it. He knew. He knew. (laughs) Protecting quarterbacks, yes, but that's just one where – you're pushing the issue, bro. You're pushing the issue. I mean, come on. I just had to get that off my chest because, oh, my goodness, that some of the no, calls. Thanks. And honestly, you could... dude, you reminded me of the uh, of the fumble of the fumble call that was that was taken back. What a play that would have been. I mean, that was set up to be one of the top defensive plays of the year. Forgive me, because I forget who made the play and, and kept that ball. I think it was, it might have been was Keanu, it Keanu Neal. Neal? I believe it was Keanu Neal to be able to have the awareness to know that your fault, that you're going out of bounds. You need to save this ball. I mean, dude, incredible. We can't have it. Can't have it. Cause these refs got to take everything away from us. Taking everything we hold dear. The everything. sanctity of football. Anyway, let's move. Let's move because we need to talk. Let's talk about the Packers. The Packers establishing themselves as the best team in football. They really are. I mean, you take a look at them going up against the Rams, another team similar to the Cowboys, a lot of bad luck, a lot of misfortune over the past couple of weeks. And the Packers just continue to ride strong. And it's all led by Aaron Rodgers. I mean, keeping the ball away and out of the hands of Sean McVay's offense and forcing their defense to try and make plays. You know, Aaron Rodgers, despite a fractured pinky toe, which I'm sure was a little bit of a, a little bit of a deterrent factor for him in that game, uh, he was cooking. He looked absolutely great and still firing the ball downfield, making big plays. Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, MVS. I mean, what Aaron Rodgers continues to do with with that receiving core is incredible, and the Packers just continue to ride this wave of success give credit to Matt LaFleur Matt LaFleur has done a really good job shaping this team their defense uh, seems to look like one of the top units in in football right now and on the other side you take a look at the Rams dropping their third straight it's Stafford's third game with a pick six not a good stat you want especially in a Los Angeles offense and it puts all the pressure on them because this team is still without much production in their backfield, hoping to get Cam Akers back soon. But the Rams are in a precarious position right now. They are one in four against teams with a winning record this year, six and zero against the rest. That is not a good sign to compete in the upper echelon of, of football teams to compete with them. And so similarly to the Cowboys, Petrie, I mean, do you trust, do you trust the Rams? Are we beginning to see the Matt Stafford signing from the beginning of the year is a little bit overhyped? It's a slump. Everyone's got a slump, right? But Matt Stafford is not doing himself any favors right now. So, I mean, where, where do you stand on this? I definitely worry about the Rams being a bit of a glass cannon, and they do really seem to be showing it. Go into the Packers. Uh, The only reason I have a hard time calling them the best team in football right now is simply because I want to see the Cardinals with Murray healthy again. It's one of those, but they're, I mean, they're like, it's like an interim heavyweight champion in the UFC. 
uh, we need that unification fight at some point because they're right up there. They're they're the other heavyweight, and they're they knocked out who everyone thought might be you know the most well built roster in the league. But like you said, Stafford, I, I love Matt Stafford, and I truly believe Detroit is what broke him. But Detroit really broke him, and that's not a met like oh his mentality. His body is physically run down and broken from so many times where he'd play through injuries, no matter how bad the lion season would look. And now that's really starting to pile up for the Rams because he's got a leg injury, a shoulder injury. His ribs are are banged up. He's, he's playing wounded. Everyone is down the stretch of the season, but Stafford's the engine for this car. As many stars as they have, he's the driver of the sports car. You lose him, you lose the whole thing. And even if you don't lose him, like you said, they're, they're only really beating the teams that they like have to be. They're not beating the teams that should be competitions. And that, I don't want to just repeat what you said, but that's going to break you down come January, come February. It's not going to last. I think they might be due for a quick first round upset and be on. Well, and that's the big question that still needs to be answered. And just checking out the chat, shout out the commissioner. Uh, Appreciate you, Evan. But uh, we still have to see what Stafford can do in the postseason and if he could win win that playoff game. You know, Los Angeles is a is a big spot for him, and he still has a lot of playmakers to help him out. And as I mentioned, you know, hopefully they get Cam Akers back soon and try and reestablish whatever type of run game that they're going to work with in the future, because that'll definitely help Stafford in the in the short term, at least for this season. But yeah, still playing through injury, battered up. And, you know, they're still trying to get players like Odell Beckham Jr. in to learn the playbook and to get him acclimated immediately because he's going to be somebody that they do need to provide that spark on offense if he can do that. Um, I still have my doubts on Odell as, as, as a player at the moment, but able to get a tiny bit of a spark from him uh, this past weekend. But, yeah, a lot of these teams starting to slip. Talk about the Cowboys Talk about the Rams. It will be interesting to see where the Cardinals stand once Kyler's back and also, on, honestly, when, when Hopkins is back because they've been without him for, for weeks now as well come, and hopefully coming out of, their, out of that bye. Both of those guys can come back healthy. But a little bit of a breakdown around the NFL. Also, should just mention the absolute imploding performance that it was for Cam Newton this weekend. The Cam back has a, <laughs> might have officially been squashed. I mean – Benched in that game, not a good sight against a Dolphins defense who is very young and still trying to find their identity. Not a good taste for Panthers fans who was hoping, yeah, Cam Newton could potentially be that guy to bring you to a wild card. I mean, it's one game, dude, but I mean, it was one game that is a severe sore on the minds of Panther fans right now. I definitely feel kind of bad. I said they should be thankful for old man super cam. It's like when you're reading a comic and you think a beloved characters come back and then they take the mask off and it's actually just some has been who doesn't quite live up to the suit he's got on. And boy, did that look like cam. I mean, I I had the Miami's defense in uh, my fantasy league. So that was fantastic. They've uh, they have been one of the weirdest assets I've had in my league. They're a consistent unit. It's a shame that they're not going to make the playoffs. That's off topic because if we go and we talk about the Panthers, 
they got to restart their quarterback hunt, and that sucks because they paid a, at least some type of price for Sam Darnold. I can't say premium. They kind of they kind of got a low-risk, high-reward deal out of that, but that low risk is kicked in because the low risk is that Sam Darnold, you can't take the Jets out of him once he's been there once. I just, I do wonder with the structure of this team with how young it is, if you can still get away with a, with a soft reset. That's my only positive for this team is I do think you got a, such a young defense. McCaffrey's still pretty young injury prone as he is. You can probably at least get him to, I can't remember if he has signed a contract or not, but if he, I don't think he has signed a contract yet. So I believe you can probably get him just with the injuries he's had and how unreliable he's been to not drag you through the mud contract wise. And I think you can try and find that better quarterback. Cause it does feel like if they have that, they have all the other pieces you want. Yeah. And the Panthers probably have had the most roller coaster season from start to the point we are at now, Sam Darnold. I mean, we Sam Darnold looked like looked like he could be the guy for a short minute there. Those first three, four weeks, however, however it was, no, had like five rushing touchdowns. It. Yeah, dude. Sad reality that we were living in, unfortunately, because he turned out to be the same quarterback he was in New York. Uh, you lose J.C. Horn, one of your young quarterbacks, and you go out and sign Stephon Gilmore, big time name. You lose McCaffrey twice. He's now on the. Uh, on the IR and out for the rest of the season this year. So a big blow there, but um, they have just been hit with the kitchen sink this year. And uh, it's been, it's been really tough to, to watch and to watch unfold. And now, you know, signing Cam Newton, trying to bring your boy back and implodes last week. So who knows where they go? I give them respect for being aggressive and trying to build this team as much as they can to get them into the playoffs, but it might have to wait another year. And uh, they'll have to just wait and see where they can go from there. But that is a look around the NFL. Let's now uh, go to our next Would You Rather segment. So, uh, Petrie, take it away, and then we'll jump into more conversation. All right, let's uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Not too far. We'll just go. We'll set the table. We're, we're at a celebrity Thanksgiving event. The NFL is partners there. And we got some past and present faces. They got a nice turkey spread, nice Thanksgiving spread out. Some guests arrive later than others. And you, you know, you're you're at the back of the line. One turkey leg is left. It's going to be the last thing on anyone's plate. So I have to ask, would you rather, behind you in that line, you can have a football helmet on if you want. Would you rather take that last turkey leg, look back and stare into the eyes of Miles Garrett or a starving Vince Wilfork? He got there late. No food on his plate. Are you taking that? Who are you taking that last turkey leg from? So a couple of factors. <laughs> A couple of factors in this one because that is the so is the helmet optional or am I wearing the helmet? You the helmet can be optional. You don't have to have it. The helmet's optional. That changes that changes the complexion of this. Would you rather? Because we know what Miles Garrett's capable of with a helmet in his hand, and whether I want that ripped off my head and used used for me for the last turkey leg in the line is probably something I'm going to want to avoid unless my head is as hard as Mason Rudolph's, but a hangry, big, bad Vince Wilfork standing feet from you, who I know will do bad things to that turkey leg. I can't imagine what kind of things he might do to the person in front of you for wanting that, because I too want that. 
But I was going to say, there is one condition to this is you're not allowed to just give up the turkey leg and leave. You have to stand your ground for this is your turkey leg and they're not taking it from your live body. You see, I feel like Vince Wilfork could be a guy that I could talk out of this situation and compromise and be like, hey, he seems like a, he seems like a wonderful family man, a level headed gentleman. I feel like he's a guy you can you can compromise with and just be like, look, man. Let, let's settle this over a, a, a much bigger, beautiful, let's have, let's have a steak dinner like men, you know, let's, let's compromise and maybe we could get something good out of it. I feel like he would be so much easier to persuade. So I'd probably have to go with, uh, with Vince Wilfork and take the chance. I think I'd have to agree with you, especially, you know, Miles Garrett, he, everything I've heard about him off the field is he's a nice cultured guy. It's just, I mean, you might be scared in the moment. You might start stuttering. He might mishear some of that stuttering. And then, then you have an incident. Then you got a man just coming after your life. And, you know, I, I have to agree. I think, I think even as hangry as Vince Wilfork could be, I think you could probably talk him down off of that. Uh, you're probably going to have a pretty, pretty deep hole in your wallet if you're offering him a steak dinner because that's a lot of steak. But it's a lot of stake for one for one guy. And, uh, you know, and that is that is very true. But at that rate, dude, I would do whatever it takes to be able What's to worse, uh, the hospital bill or the food bill. That's just that's just the point it comes down to. And you know what? I'd rather I'd rather do something good and, and take my man out for a uh, for one that he deserves. Let me tell you. So uh, two 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 men that uh, for a turkey leg. I don't know. I'd want I don't know if I'd want to be standing in front of. I think I'd rather choose uh, maybe like Mason Crosby or uh, Rodrigo Blankenship. Or Rodrigo Blankenship. He's somebody that I would that I would step aside and be like, "Here you go, this is yours." <laughs> <laughs> but hey, all in all, in good fun uh, as always. We love it. So let us know in the comments who uh, who would you rather face, Miles Garrett or Vince Wilfork, for that last turkey leg. Let us know. Uh, but with that, let's now jump into a uh, brief conversation because with all this talk about the NFL season and just how up and down it's been in terms of who's at the top, who's not, you know, that remains true in the MVP race and some of these other awards because there's just real, no, there's no real runaway favorite like we have seen or, or analyzed in, in years past. And I want to look primarily with you, Petrie, at the MVP race, because uh, per DraftKings, the updated odds for MVP. So it sits Tom Brady, still the favorite, still sits at the top. Now over Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes in that order. So when you take a look at everything, all things considered, where we stand right now, heading into week 13, I feel like I feel like there's not enough indisputable evidence to say that Brady at this moment still doesn't deserve the MVP. Yeah, he hasn't played as good as he has in the more so middle of this season. But this is the time where, you know, boys are made into men. And this is what separates the good teams to great teams. And Tom Brady is a track record of being successful in those moments. So, look, he's probably going to throw for 40 touchdowns. He's probably going to throw, still throw close to 4,800, potentially even 5,000 yards. I mean, that's still on the table. They're 8-3. and three. They have a pretty soft schedule ahead of them. So, 
all signs point to the fact that he could still do that. And if the Bucks are in position at potentially the top of the NFC, um, you know, Brady's probably the one that's going to walk away with the MVP this year. There's just doesn't seem to be enough down the line from some of these other players that will jump out and be like, well, maybe at this moment they do deserve the MVP over Brady. Josh Allen is one that kind of shocks me a little bit. I mean, they just beat the Saints, but he didn't have a necessarily – I mean, he did not have a perfect performance. Yeah, he threw four touchdowns, but he still threw two picks. I mean, they dominated what and should have dominated a brutal Saints defense right now. So it was just like that one game, his stock rose a, a ton. And look, maybe he does do enough if the Bills are able to get past the Patriots, but that's their roadblock. They're going to have to get past the Patriots. They're going to have to win the AFC East. And Josh Allen's going to have to score some more rushing touchdowns. He's only got three this year, uh, I think, to be able to vault himself as the undisputed MVP of this year. Aaron Rodgers, I think, could be the closest thing to Tom Brady right now. Kyler Murray's been hurt. He's, I think he's just been off the field too much. And, you know, who knows what Mahomes, if if he goes on an absolute tear at the end of the season, but... I just feel like there's not enough to dethrone Brady at the moment, but it's probably still anybody's ball game if if one of these players goes on an absolute run here in the end of the season. A lot of circumstances, but right now I still think Brady is is the guy, and I think that you probably have similar uh, similar thoughts on that. I think it's still Brady's award, but boy, I mean, you touched on it. it, it I, there have been injuries to their receivers, so I don't want to just say Father Time, but gosh, Father Time does seem to be playing the longest game with Tom Brady and seems to be getting the third jabs in through that guard of his. I'm going to stick with my fighting references today, but I think there were a lot of people on the threshold. I think, like you said, Josh Allen, I don't think he is quite there. I think as good as the Bills have been, he... They're such a one-dimensional offense that it's hard to give it to him when his numbers aren't jumping off the page and you know how often the ball is put in his hands. If the Colts can get a winning streak under their uh, under their belts, I really do like the odds of Jonathan Taylor to at least put his be on that big screen where they show all the candidates. I think he'll at least be there. Aaron Rodgers. I don't know why I, I don't know why I feel like he's going to have this stretch that maybe maybe he catches some real fire down the stretch and puts up some ridiculous numbers. I just have this weird gut feeling about him, but right now it's Brady. Right now it's Brady. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is sitting pretty right there with the Packers 9 and 3. I mean, even just analyzing his performance against the Rams and how he's able to move the ball uh, guys an absolute master at the quarterback position and with a lot of football left in him. And it's going to be interesting how far this Packers team goes, if that potentially persuades him to stick around and maybe they got something building for the future, if they're able to put the pieces around for him for once. But in that same breath, look at their head coach, coach of the year. Honestly, I think there's a decent argument. You give it to Belichick. If the Patriots are going, if the Patriots are atop the AFC and are able to make noise down the stretch, I think there is a very real chance that Belichick's in that conversation. No one wants to hear that, of course. But LaFleur, 
I mean, incredibly consistent in his time in Green Bay and and with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. You know, a lot of that offseason drama was was what it was. And it lasted about a week into the regular season because since that week one loss to the Saints, it's been all Aaron Rodgers and it's been all Green Bay. You know, they've got two incredible running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who's picked up the pieces and just how Aaron Rodgers elevates the talent of Randall Cobb and MVS deep threats and what they're able to do. I mean, average players on paper historically, and Aaron Rodgers is still able to make it work somehow with, with the players that he's got. And, you know, I think that speaks volumes to just him as a player, you know, on the field, but also in the locker room, potentially what, what he can do. Um, but the coach of the year award is kind of, is kind of very similar. You got all these teams. There's not one that's really, uh, you know, a, 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 there's there's just not one that is totally running away with it. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I I I can't <laughs> lie. If there's any year you're gonna hand this damn award to Bill Belichick, it's gotta be this, this is year. the year. You can't say it's Brady anymore. You can't say it's anything but Bill. <laughs> like it really is. Give this man his legacy award. <laughs> he needs it. He needs it, and. Wouldn't that be for Brady and Belichick to win MVP and then coach of the year in the same year with their with Brady with the Bucks and, and Belichick without him? How about that for a story? I don't know how that only just dawned on me that that's a really real possibility. That is a oh my god, very real possibility this year. Oh, I think we might have our friend Kevin's head explode. <laughs> Literally every new every New England hater out there from the last decade or so, having to watch both rise to the cream of the crop and rise to the top, is a tough pill to swallow for for everybody that has just been a victim of the uh, Patriots dynasty over the last decade or so. I mean, damn, what a what a realization that could. Can you imagine? Be, but. They win those awards and then meet in the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. It warms my heart, my dark, cold heart. To bring this entire season full circle that's been nobody knows what's going to happen. It's anybody's ball game to just see Belichick and Brady back in the Super Bowl together <laughs> representing both conferences is just the most NFL thing that could happen this year. It's going to happen. Oh, my God. It's Honestly, actually going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I just love the story. Let it happen, dude. Let it happen. I see we have a mic request. Throw them on. What's up? How we doing, D How we Shriver? doing? I'm good. Um, I know you were talking about Brady might make it to the Super Bowl again, but I don't know if it'll happen. I feel like he's kind of not performing as well as he did last year. Would you agree? I think I would agree. I would. I would almost say that it's due to the fact that the defense and the running game are really picking up as he's slowing down. And I do think that guys like Gronk will get healthier as the year goes on and they continue to rest them. And for those reasons, I think that they can kind of adapt to his slight decrease in productivity. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. That's all good stuff. Um, you know, Brady can father time continues to, be non-existent, even though it may potentially be catching up to him in jabs, like you mentioned before, Petrie. Uh, and thanks for hopping on the hot seat, D. Schreiber. We appreciate it. 
Um, and, you know, if Brady continues to get better, I mean, all signs really point that that's going to happen. He doesn't show any signs that he's going to hang it up anytime soon. And it's the Tom Brady effect. You take a look at all these other quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, as we mentioned, probably going to play till he's 45, probably has the ability to do so because he just also continues to get better with age. It looks like, uh, you know, we have thrown Russell Wilson's name around in that conversation, but boy, oh boy, has he dropped off after that performance last night against Washington, Seattle is, they are, I mean, they're just so bad. They are so bad in every form of the game. And Unfortunately, it's kind of on Russ right now. Russell Wilson just can't do anything. And he's got help. I don't know what it is in there in Seattle, but they're as dark and gloomy as the weather up there right now. Yeah, they really are. It's it's just depressing to see what was such a productive era in Seattle come to a close. I I didn't put a ton of stock into him leaving until how bad the return has looked. I thought this return would be smooth and it would kind of just dust away all the ideas of him leaving Seattle. Now, now I'm just trying to wrap my head around what Jersey we're going to see him in and what the hell someone's going to have to pay to get him because I don't know There's if he can keep him check on the way. We're talking, we're talking, you're mortgaging your future to get him right now. But I mean, I still think he's that guy. I think he's frustrated and hurt and just annoyed and I think he knows that things are not going well in Seattle and I think I know you have your heart set on a a different more relaxed quarterback but uh how would you feel if the Steelers just said you know what we got a great team we got a bit of money to throw at some linemen let's just who needs first round picks bring in dangerous Dude, I am manifesting Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh. I am. That is literally all I think about. Every time I watch him, I just continue to ask and just continue to reassure the television. Yes, he's going to look so good in black and gold next year. But look, dude, Russell Wilson, I agree, I think just needs a change of scenery. I think with Seattle in the news and with everything that's been going on, all the negative energy, you know, Russell Wilson is a legacy guy. And he needs that change of scenery to kind of get back on track. He hasn't really been able to kind of get out of that bubble that's been the poor discussion and the poor performance of Seattle this year. Uh, three and eight. I mean, really brutal. It's like they're since 2009. It's like their worst record uh, up to this point. So they've got a lot to do in that franchise. But Russell Wilson's still an X-factor quarterback a lot of capabilities and just leader in the locker room, which right now the Steelers need. And I'll just quickly point to the Steelers because they're, they're a team similarly now in the news, so much negativity because they're losing and rightly so. I mean, Mike Tomlin is it right now. It looks like a lock that he's going to have his first losing season as a head coach. And that just speaks volumes to this franchise and what they've been able to do and Steeler nation. I'm speaking to you now. We have been blessed with winning football teams year after year after year after year. Is a full rebuild in store? I, 
I really don't think so. But you need to make sure that TJ Watt is happy because he just signed that fat contract to stick around in a defense that has been torched 40-plus points the past two weeks. They have given up the most points in back-to-back games, I believe, in Steelers history. They have been on a poor stretch, and all signs are pointing to Mike Tomlin's first losing season. So they need somebody to be that voice and be that leader in the locker room. When you've got personalities like Chase Claypool, Minka Fitzpatrick has come out and said some things, what they need to do. Mike Tomlin's press conference today was something to watch. He shut down Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool's sitting here thinking music at practice is going to solve this situation. Really? How about hard work? How about discipline for a change? How about hard practice? Cam Hayward, probably the next active stealer to be in the Hall of Fame. He has been relentless this year, and he's that guy on the defensive end. And honestly, in the locker room right now, that's going to have to bring these guys together be like, look, things are not bad. I, things are not bad. Things are terrible. We are. This is not Steelers football. This is not the Steelers way. Steelers legends. Ryan Clark's even talking about it. Mike Tomlin took a question today, had to respond to Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark's like, this is not the Steelers way. This is not what they're doing. Bro, of course it's not. Mike Tomlin even acknowledged that. He's acknowledging players that know the Steeler way rather than the players in his locker room right now. So whether it's a culture change for some of these youngsters that just need a wake-up call and to be like, look, dude, it's not all bubblegum and rainbows. We need to be able to actually figure out what the hell is the problem is because there's a serious problem. And there's going to be serious problems in the future because right now the long-term does not set up for the Steelers' success when you take a look at these other AFC North teams. So I'm manifesting Aaron Rodgers, Miro. I am manifesting that relationship between him and Tomlin. What they could do, they could take this fr- where they could take this franchise at the level a- Aaron Rodgers is playing right now. But man, dude, the uh, the off season, if Russ is available, if a Rod is available, still some other names out there that are going to be on the market. It's going to be one hell of an off season, and it's just the pimple is yet to be popped, and. It's only this is a disgusting analogy, but it's only going to continue to grow with the rest of this season unfolding. And when it pops, it's going to be gnarly. So we hope that you'll uh, we hope. Hey, dude, we hope that you'll stick around for for the rest of our casts here throughout this NFL season and what transpires into the offseason, because I'm sure it's going to be a culmination of everything that we have discussed over these past 12 weeks. It's certainly been nothing short of exciting and uh, nothing short of interesting and it's kept us on our toes with uh with content to discuss and you know as always it's been one hell of an nfl season and it truly is truly is awesome breaking it down every week and it's only continuing to get more and more interesting like we said this is the time period this is the time point in the season where men become boys boys become men i am so backwards (laughs) today I'm so backwards today. That's like two the past two minutes. So I'm going to shut up and give it to you, Petrie, because I'm like dyslexic today. Hey, I get it. I, I, you know, the Steelers have been dyslexic. We all, I feel like right now we're, we're, we're avatars of our football teams right now. Uh, The Steelers have been, you know, they were strong 
they're holding it together the best they can, but they don't know whether they want to be some hippy dippy music team or Mike Tomlin's vision of a hardcore gritty team. I am just this jubilant, you know, energetic person because gosh, it's like you said, it's that time of year. I, I think you're not even wrong. Some men do become boys around this time of year. Can't lie. You know, it, it sometimes brings the boy out of some men, but it definitely brings the men out of some boys. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of man is inside Mac Jones. But yeah, <laughs> that's definitely going to be a fun, fun down the stretch. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all. That's all good. So we're going to close it out. We're going to close up shop tonight. Uh, really awesome stuff. So we got to thank the listeners, of course, for tuning in every week. Uh, be sure to follow us at Mike Matt Show on Twitter. Our podcast drops every Wednesday morning. So if you ever miss a live show, check us out on Spotify, the Mike and Matt Football Show. We got 11 episodes, soon to be 12, in case you missed out any week and want to check back. Uh, all that stuff's up there. So we appreciate that. And definitely connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, at Mike Matt Show. Thank you to ColorCast for giving us this platform to broadcast every week. It truly is a pleasure being able to connect with everybody. And we hope that you'll also check out all the other awesome casters on this platform, the other talk shows and whatnot that ColorCast is promoting. Um, really, really awesome stuff. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks. It absolutely is. I'm looking forward to it. This is always my favorite stretch of the season. We hope it's yours too. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday, same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, live here on ColorCast. We hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you, everybody. We will talk to you soon.